What's up, Fight Fan? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Sunday, January 3rd, 2021. We have officially made it. This week's episode, the MMA Daily 2020 MMA Awards. I am your host, Gabriel Gonzalez, and I am here with my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. We're going to be going over everything. First off, real quick, we'll be talking about everything going on on Fight Island that was announced. We'll be talking about the prospect of Dan Hooker and Michael Chandler and mentioning a few things that were announced while we were, while we were on holiday. Then we will go right into our awards, several different categories, everything from your favorites like Knockout of the Year, Submission of the Year, to some of the more unusual ones, like Upset and the most unusual news story. So, plenty to get into. Then we'll finish it off looking ahead a little bit to 2021 and our thoughts on the past year. Natalie, I hope you had a great New Year. I hope you had a great Christmas. Welcome back. How are you doing? Hey, man. Yeah, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Doing great. And uh, excited for the prospect of a... New 20 or yeah, 2021, a new year. Now, I know things aren't going to change right away in the world. Things are still sort of where we left them in 2020, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm looking forward to the day when we can go to Disneyland. How about you? <laughs> Likewise, I'm ready to hug the mouse and everybody else over there, right? Yeah. Um, The way I've been thinking about it is like, well, it's not going to change immediately, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, you know, the nice thing is that it won't be new. After all we've been through, it's not going to be anything we haven't really seen, right? You know, so that's my thought going into it is that compared to 2020, even if things are slow to improve, at the very least, we know what we're in for. So I think that that's my big thing. And like everybody, I do always have hope that it is going to get better very soon. Anyway. But uh, yeah, I once again, guys, I hope you had a great holiday. I hope you um, just hope everyone's good. You know, I know things have been a little wild in the um, in the world. So I hope that everyone got the rest and relaxation they wanted. I knew that I wanted us to wait until, you know, just in case somebody does like a backflip knockout, something we never seen on Ryzen or something. We give everyone a chance to officially put in their nomination for the 2020 MMA Awards. Um, but Natalie, it is officially over. We have a couple quick news hits. Do you want to get into it? Are you ready? I know yeah, we're man, a little rusty, you know? <laughs> One week off. I don't know if I can do this anymore, but let's give it a shot. All right, so let's get into it. The biggest one, Dana White announces that they are officially in Abu Dhabi so a lot of this was suspected, especially for the Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier card, but it's officially a three card, you know, a three event fight week. So it's going to be that um, quote unquote international fight week is what Dana has planned. He has said that he wants it to be possibly with fans. I'll be honest, at this stage in the game, I don't know if that'll still happen unless they are local to Fight Island. In which case, hey, that is still awesome, but still. Um, Three-card uh, fight week, January 16th, January 20th, 
and then the big one with Connor and Poria on January 23rd. It is official. Anthony Pettis versus Calvin. Sorry, not um, Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater will be in um, Fight Island, not Las Vegas as originally planned. It was going to be Leon Edwards versus Hamzat January 20th on Fight Island, but Hamzat's recovering from COVID. He's, I guess the report, he is no longer contagious, but his lungs are still recovering. So he still took the hit, so he is out. So now it's going to be um, Michael Chiesa and Neil Magny. And then finally, obviously, Connor and Poirier on January 23rd. Final note, it, the UFC is hoping to have the uh, Holloway Cater card on ABC. Network television, their first time since the Fox era, they'd be on one of the channels close to the beginning of number one. So, a lot of stuff going on. What are your general thoughts there? Yeah, super exciting. It's weird to talk about International Fight Week not being in Vegas. But obviously, Fight Island is in, has, has proven to be a, a really fun, exciting background backdrop for, for the UFC this past year. And looks like it's going to continue to do that. Um, you know, also... Usually it's in July, right? So now it's in January. So what does that mean for July? I don't know, but okay. We'll see. Maybe we'll get two in 2021. I don't know. We'll get a, a you know, the one in Fight Island and then one in at the Apex or, or maybe Texas. Texas is, is having some crowds. You know, they had Ryan Garcia last night fighting Luke Campbell. And it was a pretty decent amount of people there. But anyway, going back to MMA. Yeah, pretty exciting. It's uh, disappointing to hear about the, uh, the Kamzat Edwards fight. But, um, I mean, COVID, COVID respects nobody. It comes for us all. So, um, you know, it is what it is. Hopefully, or I should say, it's good to hear he's on the mend. Chiesa Magni, that's a fine fight. Um, but the one that gets me most excited is the possibility of, of UFC being on ABC. That's just like, when did you think you'd hear that? You know, it's one thing to be on Fox, but ABC has a legacy. It's been around since the beginning of, of television almost, along with CBS and, and uh, NBC. So that's exciting, man. That's going to be something else. To be able to tell my mom, uh, hey, put it on Channel 7. You can watch the UFC. That's awesome. So I'm excited for that. Hopefully it shakes out. Um, and hopefully people tune in. I think it's a good fight to put on ABC because Holloway – and um cater cater thank you <laughs> like they're gonna bring it they're gonna scrap but they're that perfect weight and they have that perfect style where it's not gonna be some crazy like Nganu um one uh, in fast uh what's the I'm there sorry losing my brain strike. here any of those guys but Nganu versus Overeem um, Overeem thank you I kept picturing his <laughs> It's, it's been a minute, guys. We I keep picturing his chin flying to the moon. It's not going to be like that, where you could say, oh, my God, you know, parents could be horrified that a kid's seen. This is a different kind of scrap. I think it's the perfect tone right down the middle there. Uh, exciting, but not like Mortal Kombat ripping your head out of your neck kind of thing. So uh, excited for that. And, um, you know, McGregor, Poirier, of course, that's... Uh, I think they should put them in a bubble. Give them the vaccine if you can, guys. Come on. I think I think the, <laughs> the MMA community will be willing to spare two vaccines to make sure they get there on uh, safe and sound. Uh, 
I mean, low-key, uh, I'd like to remind you, Calvin Cater is a savage. He, he may not knock your head to the moon, but he may leave you looking like the walking dead. But, um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, for sure, I think that fewer things could be disappointing after all they've tried to do for this week than to have Connor or Dustin fall out, for sure. I think that, um... You know, when I look at it, I just think Leon Edwards, my man. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. That's all I can say. I can't be diplomatic. It's just like, bro, I'm sorry. I don't know what else. Uh, like you said, you know, COVID is like 2016 Conor McGregor. He's apologizing to absolutely nobody. You yeah. Know, like you said, I love that. So, yeah, it's um, it's quite a lot. Like we said, with ABC, that's just nice. Like I said, close to the beginning of the channels, if you're on cable. Um, anytime you see it growing is a big deal, like for me. Uh, because, uh, you know, this is the work we do. And so when you have the possibility of the general public getting excited and you're part of it, for me, it's always just fantastic. So, yeah. And then, you know, you got people who have struggle, struggle casting it. My TV is smart, but it's not 2020 smart. So the ESPN app isn't on it. So I always have to use another device to get my ESPN Plus working. So the fact that I could just turn it on and hit 7, I really like it. Or, you know, one of your other numbers. I realize not right. all of you are in California. <laughs> but, you know, ABC tends to be very close to the beginning. You get what I mean. Yep. So, yeah, a lot of good stuff there. Um, I agree with you. I think that they, on purpose, put the guy who's in the running with Stephen Thompson as the NMF of the UFC as on network television. Is a pretty, uh, it's on purpose. There's a reason they weren't going Leon Hamzat for the possible ABC fight, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so. Or, you know... Also, Wednesday night, you know, they got Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy to air on there, you know. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, Dan Hooker seems like he is now the front runner to fight Michael Chandler. This kind of came out uh, during that week off. New Zealand website confirmed that they were on. More reports did come out to say that it is not quite a done deal. How, you know, that Justin Gaethje could step in if that doesn't happen. I'll point out, as of today, it is 20 days out. I really have a hard time seeing Justin say he wants the uh, Chandler fight on three weeks' notice. I just, um, I just feel like where he's at right now, he's earned the right, and he can kind of leverage the fact that, like, hey, you want me to take this? Give me my full camp, you know, for this kind of fight. I'm not just going to step in on short notice and the last time I've proved you know where I'm at in this division so I I will say that I think in the end they are gonna get the deal done Dan Hooker will fight Chandler at 257 on the Connor Dustin undercard any general thoughts obviously not a breakdown we'll get there in a week in a week or so but yeah yeah man I'm just happy to see Michael Chandler potentially probably most likely having already a fight book because we just want to see him in action see what he can do there's a lot of pressure going from from the big show at bellator you're the big fish in the small pond i guess no offense but you know moving to ufc is that's that's the ticket right that's where everybody wants to go even if 
they're very happy at whatever other promotion they're they've been at for however long he's been there like a decade or something so um dan hooker is a great opponent i wonder if michael chandler like you know he was he was on call to be fighting for the belt right not that long ago so I wonder if if there is any holdup, if there are any hurdles, if it's because maybe he thinks like, no, I want to fight Gaethje, I want to fight a bigger name than Dan Hooker, but you know Dan Hooker is a heck of a, a heck of a debut. So I'm excited just to see the guy fight. Period. But uh, I think Dan Hooker, he should just take it and run with it because Gaethje, he could he could fight him on three weeks' notice, and maybe he will. He didn't sustain any damage in the Khabib fight. I think he was probably just more embarrassed or disappointed. Than anything, but he's probably still fresh as the daisy. Game is heck. So I think give Michael Chandler a chance to get his sea legs, his UFC legs, right? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and um, and then and then move on to Gaethje. Gaethje. Gaethje deserves a break, but he's definitely, I think, could 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 take this fight if he wanted to. I think it's just all on him. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like don't get me wrong. He's his game, like, I'm not saying he, if they called and said Hooker, you know, stubbed his toe, he can't make the fight, that Gaethje, like, if they threw enough money that he would say no, don't get me wrong. I just feel like short of something like that, I don't see it happening. And, you know, there is always the possibility. Remember, anything happens to Dustin and Connor. One of these guys is going to fight in the main event, without question. And mm-hmm. I think that when you think about the fact that Dan Hooker already lost to um, Dustin uh, last year, there is a good chance Michael Chandler's in there fighting Poirier. Or the real like change-up, if uh, Dustin Poirier were to fall out, who does Conor McGregor potentially fight on short notice? I'm not convinced he'll take Chandler. I think he stylistically fights be- a lot better with Hooker because I don't think Hooker's going to look to grapple with him. So I do think that that's a very distinct possibility um, when you talk about a big picture. For um, I, I did see Dan Hooker talking to the submission radio guys and did say he was in camp training excited. He's talking like a guy who believed the deal is going to get done. So I that really for me is like, uh, I think that Justin Gaethje is waiting to see what happens. Does Habib actually come back? Or is he getting in there with Oliveira, with um, Hooker or Chandler, um, something like that? Like He's waiting to see what's the biggest fish he could get. He's not just taking the first one that bites the hook. You get what I mean? Yeah. I think that that's course. the play that's going on right now. All but right, um, I, Yeah, I, I do... It's still a fun fight for uh, 23rd. Um, I think that when you look at it, they're obviously going to push Amanda Hibas versus um, oh my God, Marina Rodriguez. Yeah, there it is. I, for, I blanked on her uh, real quick. <laughs> um, so I do think it's still going to be good. Uh, just a good little header. When you, whenever you have the Conor McGregor effect, you do worry sometimes that they don't stack the undercard. I like yeah. Dan Hooker's game against Chandler's to kind of you know, really top that one off. I think it'll be good. Real quick, they announced a couple big ones. Uh, Blahovich versus Adesanya is official. Also, they've rebooked Megan Anderson against Amanda Nunes. 
both of those March 6th. So I like the timing. I think it works. It does make me question what are they doing in February. This is important, Natalie, because when I think about it, okay, Izzy potentially becomes a light heavyweight champion in March. If Stipe or Nganu fight in February, if you're John Jones, now what does it look like? You get what yeah. I mean? Yeah. If they fight in April, Nganu, uh, Stipe, I mean, then what does it look like if Izzy becomes the champion earlier? Because now it puts a lot, the timing really affects the negotiation because I think Adesanya's done, he's got one more big challenge left to create the super fight. I think that really he is betting on getting the fight done and just absolutely letting the fan interest put the heat on UFC and Jones to take a fight with him. I think absolutely that's what he's trying to do. But if Stipe or Nganu fight close to the same time, that starts to affect his ability to do that. What are your thoughts on all of this playing out? Yeah, if Izzy gets the belt, it's it's like sit and wait until the people speak, as you said, for the matchup with John Jones. But uh, MMA math, right? <laughs> if, if Nganu beats Stipe... The fans, would they prefer John Jones to fight Nganu or would they prefer him to fight Adesanya? I think they're going to go to Nganu, and so Adesanya is going to have to wait. Um, it just, you know, that's heavyweight is still king, and Nganu is, is too special, and John Jones is so um, not controversial, but polarizing. And uh, there's interest, you know, whether you want him to win or lose, there's so much interest in seeing him fight somebody where you really aren't sure if he can win. It's with Adesanya, I see it more as like, this could be a good fight. This could be a good scrap. With Nganu, you see it as like, okay, he has a chance to get his head knocked off or he can dance around and, and outpoint him. But you don't anticipate John Jones knocking out Nganu. At least I don't. So I think that's where the fan, uh, you know, sway would go if uh, if John Jones is sort of stuck in the middle between fighting Izzy or Ngannou. I completely get what you're saying. My thing, and I'd like to point out, Jan Blahovich could shut everybody up very quick. Uh, you know, I respect yep. I respect the legend, not just the Polish power, the legendary Polish power. <laughs> I want to go on the record saying that I think he's, I think you guys gotta respect that man. But um. What I will say is that let's say Adesanya were to hypothetically take him out quick, um, Blahovich, I mean, and John Jones still is like, nah, I'm fighting Stipe, I'm fighting Nganu. I do think that it will follow him for the however long he continues to fight. I honestly believe that because I think that for his part, Adesanya has played his role perfectly. I think that he has said all the right things. I think he has performed all the right ways. That yes, it would be a big deal to fight Stipe. Yes, I think that it would be a big deal to fight Nganu. But you were the man, the biggest star, probably one of the most talented fighters outside of yourself and Habib, stepped up to the plate did his part, fought the fights, and you still said no. 
I just feel like, you know what, I, I cannot see, you know, that, um, you know, that not staying with him, very bluntly. So I think that that's a really big deal that you really got to take into account. And also, I'll say it, the fact that we've been waiting for how long for uh, John to move up, and then now, finally, after we've been waiting how long, there's actually a guy so talented can match the trash. He's up again. Izzy is the best trash talker since Chael. And think about it. Chael, the Chael fight was like in 2011 for John. So you got this guy with all the qualities finally stepping up to 205. And now John Jones leaves. I'll be honest. That does irk me a bit in terms of like, well, come on. Just stay for one more. Come on. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it's more complicated and everyone wants to get paid, but yeah, you know what I mean, guys. No, I, I get you. I, go, I get exactly what you mean. Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, now you want to leave? It's just about to get good again. But Exactly. Know. See, you get it, Natalie. We're, can... we're on the same page in 2021. How about that? <laughs> All right. Let's see if we can get this to last 362 more days. <laughs> anyway, um, guys, it is time for the 2020... Not World MMA Awards, but the MMA Daily MMA Awards. So, when, like I said at the top of the show, we got a lot of categories. We got a lot of fun stuff. We have all of your favorites appearing. And then a couple more that I think Natalie is going to surprise us with, if I'm reading correctly. So, let's get to it. First uh, category, I like to start with this one. The most unusual news story. The most unusual MMA story of the year. Natalie, I want to go first. Yeah. So I am going with this one. I, I will go on the record saying I am aware it is not official sanctioned MMA, but they put the gloves on, they fought by the rules, and they did it inside a cage. The 139-pound woman who knocked out the 500-pound man in an MMA fight and then subsequently was signed by Bellator. Uh, I'm going to mess up her last name, Darina Madziuk. So if you've seen the clip, you obviously know she comes in with that fiery red hair against just this huge man. Um, Clearly that man has not fought MMA as much as knows has to throw his weight around. Darina just um, connects with some shots and leaves him pulverized on the canvas within a round. Um, Natalie, I love this one. I thought this is exactly the kind of story that makes unusual story of the year. So it was very easy for me to give it to Darina. What were your thoughts? Yeah, it's okay. it's hilarious. When you first see them standing you know, toe to toe, it's like, oh no, this is, <laughs> it's like the soccer mom one, who I think wasn't her opponent actually, Alimale. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, which at the time I didn't realize, you know, or, and so I thought, oh my God, that's just horrible. And I'm having flashes of this could be really ugly, you know, if she trips and gets stuck underneath him and he falls on top of her or he presses her up against the cage, you know, if the cage isn't that big, there's not a lot of room to hide. But once the fight starts going, you kind of realize, oh, okay, <laughs> there might be an out for Miss Dorina. Um, so yeah, it's, I would say it's, it's a fun, it was a fun thing to watch. It was entertaining, which is what it's supposed to be. And um, 
only entertaining really because she came out on top. Uh, I didn't like the pose she struck at the end there where she kind of puts his her foot on his stomach like the way you do with with big game. But um, you know, he was game. He was not <laughs> not to overuse the word game, but he was he was nice enough to to stay there still for the picture. Um, but the the crazy thing was the signing with Bellator. So I haven't looked into her other fights, her her record, and to see what she's really made of. But look, Bellator has has um, they made a resurgence, right? By by doing these kind of like carnival bookings, these legends fighting each other, the the Kimbo Slice and the Dada Five Thousand, like they did all that stuff to get people to get eyeballs, and it worked. It was really awesome because then it showed you the talent that they had been building up. You also got a chance to see all of that, right? AJ McKee, Michael Chandler, all these great guys and girls like Alimalit. So Bellator played it smart, but I don't, you know, I think we can agree that they're pretty much past that now, right? They're pretty much past that point of doing these crazy matchups. So when they signed her, I thought, well, she must have something, right? Like, are they going to really pitch her and market her as the lady who beat the 500 pound man? Or is she just going to be another female fighter in their division? Um, who's really good. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know how much you know about her, but you know what her, what her pedigree is and and if it's kind of more of a carnival signing or like a legit contender signing you know i think that they if i'm not mistaken because uh I, I will be honest i have to double check that she was 139 pounds i'm not sure on the catch weight um and why that's important is bellator does not have a bantamweight division so she's normally a 35er they don't have that so if they're bringing her in as a featherweight i think that um you know, they're just trying to kind of build the roster out a little bit with someone who, you know, people have seen. Now, mind you, they've picked up a few people. I know she doesn't have too many fights, like legit fights, not, you know, just uh, exhibitions, so to speak. So I think that they have picked her up regardless of division just to kind of be a little um, just on the side, just kind of like, uh, you know, build her up similar to Beck Rawlings when they got her. Um, you know, she hadn't really fought in MMA and she was on a bad run in MMA before she got back to, you know, F while she had her hiatus with bare knuckles. So I think that she's just there to be a top prospect. If she's cutting all the way down to 125, I'll point out that Bellator, um, oh gosh, I feel bad. I forget. I know they just signed another girl from Hawaii, like to make her pro debut with the promotion. And it's like, you know, they've done this, you know, Valerie Lareda, first pro fight was Bellator. Uh, Alimele, only her, se like, her second pro fight already starts Bellator. AJ McKee, oh and oh, his first pro fight was Bellator. So they do have a reputation of picking up some of these guys and girls earlier in their career. And I think that that might be the thing for Darina. She's not really there to be a vet. She's kind of there for the slow train, so to speak. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Uh, let me just, I'll just say this, you know, don't know much about her, but if I could put on my resume that I defeated a 500 pound man, I'd, I'd be pretty damn happy. I'd be like, you know what? I'm good. I don't need anything else. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm not knocking her. I think it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty cool. And she's already, you know, it's already paid off now she's in Bellator. So there I like you go. <laughs> I'd also like to point out it, it was, the picture was clearly staged. They all knew that she yes, was going to yes, win. <laughs> It wasn't, it didn't rub me the wrong way if it's WWE, you could get away with all that when you know what's going to happen, so I just want to go on there for the record. 
Okay. Natalie, what was your... Oh, well, yeah, go ahead. What was your pick for Unusual Story of the Year? Okay, mine's like a, a sort of a collection of stories revolving around a, a family, two brothers, the uh, the Paul brothers, and, you know, before anyone starts rolling their eyes, how is this related to MMA? Because, you know, we've only seen them do boxing. I picked it because, you know, I was... Not okay, but I was, you know, fine, I guess, with them being on the periphery of my boxing you know, my boxing, my boxing purview <clears throat> when they were fighting the other YouTube guys on these pay-per-views and okay, it's interesting. It's funny. Good for them. You know, they're gay. They're making money. They're doing what regular boxing, traditional boxing can, which is getting a lot of eyeballs and it's not for stellar boxing, but it's for being, uh, you know, sort of stellar personalities that can sort of box and Hey, why not? If you are interested in boxing and you have the money and the and the star power to put on a show, why the heck not? I would love to fight somebody on the internet for, for you know, on YouTube for a million eyeballs. You know, that would be great. Um, but what kind of, you know, made me roll my eyes was when they started picking fights with MMA guys. Because now you're just doing it. Now it just feels like cheap. Um, the Conor McGregor one, give me a break. No, Conor McGregor's not going to fight you. And if he did and he would destroy you in like five seconds despite the the big size difference the dylan danis thing we talked about it with the brendan shop food trick diaries and how perfect perfectly positioned the camera was you know not even a tilted frame everything was <laughs> the tripod knew exactly where to be at the right time so unusual because when they were doing their boxing shtick I didn't actually, for whatever reason, see this coming, see them trying to infiltrate the world of MMA. Uh, and I should have. And um, I just think it's crazy that they're getting so much attention. I understand why. That you have ESPN interviewing them, that Brendan Schaub's doing food trick diaries with them. Like, are they getting attention because the people who are interviewing them want the clicks? Or are they getting attention because... There's some value there. There's some merit. There's some skills. There's a potentially a, an interesting fight to be made. I think it's the former, and that's why it, it, it ruffles my feathers, and that's why I think it's unusual. But, you know, 2020, I mean, geez, was that the most unusual thing to happen in 2020? No. So <laughs> I guess we'll count our lucky stars for that. What do you think about all this Paul brother nonsense? Or Paul mm. brother story? You know, I, so um, because it's gotten so much attention, I actually did a story for Cage Side Press talking about the history of celebrity boxing. Yes, you did actually. I have it. I have it ready to read. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, to preview, there's been a lot of crazy stuff that happens on celebrity boxing, and it's had everyone from Vanilla Ice to Kim Kardashian do it, and um, and I found footage of a lot. So enjoy. But, um, you know, my thing about it is that uh, people, you, you see, public figures getting in the ring to get attention is nothing new. It's been going on long before the internet. So the idea of all these guys doing it and getting paid at a time when anyone can be a celebrity because of YouTube and social media, it doesn't surprise me. I think the thing about the Paul brothers doing it is the way they've done it, they have really... I say, if you don't get it, it's because you most likely either don't understand it or you think it's a fad for another generation, the Gen Z. But I am telling you, 
I have seen that generation use either their or their parents' hard-earned money to get out there and support these guys and show up and they're excited about it. They have a fan base that you that legit shows up for them. So you cannot be surprised. I will say this. They're calling out a lot. Of, look, Jake Paul, the, his paperwork will say he's had three fights. Jake Paul has not fought anybody who's fought other legit boxers. He has fought other YouTube personalities. And respectfully to Nate Robinson... He is never he is a pro basketball player. He is not a combat sports athlete. You know? So the fact that Jake Paul is fight now taking aim at guys who could physically do harm to him and actually have more training than him, I think one, you really want to get paid. Two, you must really believe in yourself because even exhibition you could get hurt. So do I think that's unusual? I absolutely do for the fact that I did not expect this to blow up the way it did. Yeah. If the YouTubers want to fight other YouTubers, hey, I'm not against anybody getting paid. I've said this many times. The fact that you guys are taking aim at a lot of uh, big fish who could actually whoop your... <clears throat> you know. Okay. I mean, the, there's only two ways this can go and that's they take care of you or you end up like the proverbial nail, not the hammer. So <laughs> that's my thoughts on it. But yeah, yeah. man, it's uh, well deserved. It, it, it's unusual. <laughs> we'll leave it. At that. I'll say this. But yes, of course, it's it's been going on forever, right? Celebrities wanting, I mean, fighting is primal. You have a grudge with someone, or you want to just test your metal. I get it. It's when they cross over, and you know, maybe I'm being protective or defensive of over, over MMA, but it's like. If you want to, you want to pick a fight with someone in MMA, go ahead, call out. I mean, call out someone like CM Punk. Call out someone who's learning MMA the way you called out someone who was learning boxing when you were in that phase. But to just go like to you know to Conor McGregor, it's like that doesn't work the way it worked when Conor McGregor called out Floyd Mayweather. Like that's totally different. He had already proven yeah. himself as like the top of the top of MMA. You're still unproven in boxing. You've just had some fun fights and good for you. So, but like I said, that Generation Z, <laughs> they want yeah. it to happen for them and they're willing to pay to see it if it's a possibility. That's the thing. I'm telling you, there's a lot of kids who spend all day on YouTube, Natalie. I'm telling you, it's yeah, a I very real just... thing. Pumping my fist angrily out the window saying, get off my lawn. You know, I'm that old person now. So that's fine. I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay, Clint Eastwood. Yeah. <laughs> you got a Gran Torino for us too? Roll, yep, rolling sure around Montebello? <laughs> okay. I wish. <laughs> I'll be honest, guys. I, I really almost did the Camp Soda fight circus as the unusual story. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. It will blow your mind. But, um... <laughs> I like Doreen's story a lot more just because of the outcome. But yeah, yeah. I, I want to do honorable mention. I was really tempted to jump down that rabbit hole. It got it gets wild over there. Um, upset of the year. Natalie, I want you to go first because um, I want to know how you read the assignment I gave you. <laughs> upset of the year. Yeah, when I told, <laughs> I told my husband, I was like, this is who I'm picking for upset of the year. He's like, well, if you want to be controversial, I guess that's okay. <laughs> I said, well, look, for me, uh, I, you know, look, the, 
here's my pick. I'll just say that first. It's uh, Khabib submitting Justin Gaethje. Why is that the upset of the year for me? I really am just thinking selfishly about why it's the upset of the year for me. Um, because Khabib is like the, the Floyd Mayweather of MMA undefeated. And he doesn't have a, det- a polarizing personality the way Mayweather does, right? Khabib just sort of plays it right down the line. He speaks when he wants to speak. He's not trying to insult anybody, but if you insult him, he'll have some, he'll save it for the cage. We've seen that. But he, you know, he, he'd already burned through some of the greats of 155 that we thought some might have had a chance better than others. Connor, nobody really thought he had much of a chance, but he actually did okay. He lasted, you know, into the fourth round. Anthony Barbosa went the distance. Ally Quinta went the distance, right? People that you didn't expect to go the distance went, went the distance. And then he fights Dustin Poirier, and, like, you know, Dustin Poirier's striking had evolved so much. He was stronger, bigger. I really thought, this guy's going to be the one, but still didn't have an answer. Because everyone thought what you need is someone who has has grown up doing that, doing grappling, doing wrestling, just like Khabib has. Now, not the same way, not wrestling bears and all that, but then comes Justin Gaethje, right? He too has evolved. His striking is amazing. He doesn't even need to use his wrestling because his striking is so good. But he has the wrestling in the back pocket. He grew up doing that. And I really thought this is going to be the guy to do it. This is going to be, Justin Gaethje is going to be the man to defeat Khabib Nurmagomedov. And what we saw was Khabib showing us almost like a like a superhero who is fighting a mere mortal and he he toys around with him for a little bit but you know he doesn't even really want to be there because if he wanted to he could end the fight at any moment and that's what we saw and then when he submits Justin Gaethje and he he basically knocks him or um, puts him out then after the fact you find out that (laughs) He chose to submit him that way. He took pity on him. He chose to submit him that way because he didn't want to take an arm and have Gaethje refuse to tap out and, and be, be injured seriously uh, by, you know, one of his limbs be seriously injured in front of his parents. So he chose to just make him pass out. He chose to choke him out. That's just cold. That's just ice cold. Um, but going back to why it's the upset of the year for me is because I really thought Justin Gaethje had a chance. And what stunned me, what shocked me is how, like, quickly and easily and mm, seamlessly Khabib just dispatched of him. It was easier than Poirier, easier than Connor, easier than Iaquinta, easier than Edson Barbosa. Like it was just too easy. And that, that stunned me. So that's my pick controversial or not. I'm sticking to it. Any, uh, any, any feedback there, double G? <laughs> I would like you to address the fact that Habib went into that fight as the odds on favorite. Yeah, that's, that was pointed out to me as well. <laughs> Is it an upset if you were expected to win? I'd like to, you to answer that question. That's why I preface this by saying, you know, it's selfish. It's purely for me. Uh, but yes, my husband also told me, uh, I think he was expected to win that fight. Yeah, yeah, he was. But I didn't think he was going to win. I didn't think he was going to win the fight. To me, it was an upset. <laughs> Just to me. Uh, I'm, I'm not a teacher, so I can't give you an incomplete, but I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> Um, you know what? Look, uh, I, I will give you this. It was shocking. Um, he was not my pick for submission of the year, although I was tempted. It was me too. Uh, so I think that, um, look, uh, 
when you think about the context of it, and I know I've seen a bunch of people give Habib the Submission of the Year award, which I'm very impressed with and I think is well-deserved. Um, for all the reasons you pointed out, uh, Justin, I really thought this is going to be a banger. This is going to be GSP versus Hendricks. You got an all-time great against a guy who just seemed like he was born to be the kryptonite in Justin Gaethje. And Habib still handled business so easily, and he choked him out, and remember, I think it was the broken foot, and then, like you said, ice cold, because now he's kind of building his, uh, look, I know what happened in Habib's personal life, so I believe the story when he says he didn't want to hurt Justin Gaethje. I always say, when you hear a guy say it like that, they're kind of building their own legend, they're kind of changing their own narrative with their interviews. That's still ice cold, the way you say it. It's like, well, I put you to sleep because I didn't want to break your arm. It's like, you make it sound like Justin just sat there because he had nothing for him. and But technically, in that position, he didn't. That's yeah. just wild. So the fact that he did do that to Justin Gaethje, who's supposed to be such a challenge. Um, I mean, Habib was still expected to win, but okay, I, I, I will acknowledge <laughs> yes, that. Yes, I failed at the I will, ag- I will acknowledge, to- I will acknowledge, yes, no one expected him to do it like that. So that isn't all the way wrong. I'll give it there. Um, I went off the bean pad. I tried to do this because, you know what, I feel like you really got to respect the work everyone puts in. So unless you have an epic one. I was I thought about Mataferi, Macy Barber. That one really stood out to me. Um, but I when I was looking at it, I, or even maybe a bit of Chito Vera, Sean O'Malley. But when I looked at it, I was like, dude, you have a perfectly good one that's not getting any love because it was like at midnight, one championship and all this stuff. I'm going to mess up his name, but Henir de Ritter, I believe he's out of Germany, taking on Angla and Song. So if you are not up to speed on this, it's kind of similar to Gegar Musasi versus um, Lovato Jr. De Ritter, undefeated, I believe like less than 10 fights right now. And he was taking on uh, the guy a lot of people would argue is the best fighter in one championship outside of Demetrius Johnson. Technically speaking, he's been there since before Mighty Mouse, so he was one championship's best fighter. Two division champion, uh, middleweight champion over there, light heavyweight champion. Uh, quick note, their heavyweight champion moved down to fight him, and uh, Angla beat him um, at the big card last year. Just a guy putting in work. A lot of people feel like he were to come to UFC, he'd be right in the mix with a lot of those top five guys. He's a very ta- talented dude. And uh, De Ritter just uh, shocks him to become the middleweight champion. Uh, just one of those performances, uh, just an unknown, untested guy taking on the man over at one championship, and he just gets the job done. So, Hanir De Ritter, uh, you are my upset of the year for your win over Ang La. Um, very good fight if you want to check it out. It is on YouTube. Um, highlights also if you're not feeling up for a championship fight and tuning in. Yeah, man, that that submission when he's he's cranking on his jaw, his chin, those are the ones that just make you cringe. It reminds me of Khabib with Connor, and uh, I mean, there's plenty others, but uh, you know, you just want to tap to that 
fortunately, I guess we can say the the arm moved down into the uh, into the throat position, and and on lung, on lung song had to tap out, and then and then the announcer says, you know, he says it all dramatically, and like the 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 to top it off, right? He's like the most shocking thing is that on lung song tapped out, like it's just like this. <laughs> How could this be? How could this happen? Not only did he lose, but he did it this way. And uh, probably, as Conor McGregor said, when he had to tap out to uh, to Nate Diaz, a bitter pill to swallow. It's one thing to be uh, put out, like uh, Holly Holm or Justin Gaethje, who we were just talking about. When you have, you're still, you still have your senses about you, still have your wits about you, and you have to say, you have to cry, Uncle. That probably stays with you. So, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, a really good. And upsetting, <laughs> because I'm sure he was not the odds-on favorite, right? Uh, uh, maybe not. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, yeah, good for old Renier de Ritter. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I'm assuming they're gonna have a rematch uh, sooner rather I, than later. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I think that. Um. But yeah. So look, good stuff. If you don't tune in over there, they they will have some bangers occasionally. So yeah, it, it was just um. Uh, when I think about it, it's like, dude, we didn't know UFC champions were beat in 2020. And so I think that it's like, look, it's kind of hard to top a two-division champ being unseated, right? So I went with that one. Even more than Bader Vadim Nemkov, because I think a lot of people felt like, um, you know, that was a possible one too. But I felt like even then, um, Vadim was a little more tested when you look at his resume. Then uh, Deritter over here against the one championship guy. So, just because I think a lot of people would say that Ong um, La is still at the top of his game. Ryan's, um, you know, he's been around a long time. And yes, he's been putting it together as of late, but it's still, you know, it, I think people would say it's like he was getting toward the tail end. Uh, he was at the crest of the wave. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, Long, like I mean Myanmar, where he's from, like he is the most famous, revered person. That he's everything over there. So, it's a big, it's a really big deal for his people that that um that he had that loss, oh, and yeah. for one championship, you know, like yeah, it's her golden boy. So, big yep. deal. Set, yep, sets it up. Upset of the year. Um, we move on to one of the more fun ones, submission of the year. A lot of people had different thoughts on this, which means it was a good year for grapplers. Um, so I'm going to toss it to you first. Natalie, who is your pick submission of the year? Okay, uh, probably, possibly another controversial one because when folks I feel think of submission of the year, it's usually something um, unique, a unique submission, um, something spectacular. I went for one that was just brutal, uh, a classic type of choke, a rear naked choke, but the fashion in which it was delivered, that's a, a, that's another ice cold right there. Uh, so I picked Figueredo Benavidez 2, and, um, you know, this was Joseph Benavidez's, like, second chance to get that belt in a row, right? We all know what happened the first time. He, he fought Figueredo for the belt. Figueredo came overweight. And so, despite the win, uh, Figueroa couldn't retain the belt, couldn't keep the belt, couldn't get the belt, I should say. So they had to run it back. Okay, Benavides has a second chance to to right the wrong. Right, this is the guy who's always been so close to getting the belt, could never beat Demetrius Johnson. Here was his chance. This 
Davis and Figueredo is relatively new. Joseph Benavides is the big name. This is his belt, his belt to lose. And lose he does, right? Joseph Benavides was fighting for his life in that fight, in that first round. Figueredo, the bigger, stronger, faster, more clever fighter, knocks him down, tries to choke him out early in the fight. You know, he Benavides fought off like three or four uh, rear naked choke attempts. Uh, maybe two or three, I should say, before he was actually finished at the end of that first round. And um, choke attempts that you think this is it. I mean, even the commentators were like, oh, it's over, it's over. Somehow he managed to free or to pry off Figueredo's arm. It was very intense. Benavides knew this was it. This was his only chance to get the belt. It would never come again, not with the UFC. And, you know, ultimately, Figueredo hurt him again, knocked him down this time with vicious, vicious elbows, cut him open found the throat again, choked him out. Benavides didn't even, honestly, the, the squeeze was so tight, Benavides didn't even have time to tap, even if it occurred to him that maybe he would. He went out with his eyes open. That's how serious, that's how mm, intense this submission was. So that's why I picked it, because not only was it brutal, was it ice cold, but it also signified, you know, the the not the end of Joseph Benavides' career by any means, but you know, the end of any any chance at being champion in the UFC. You know, for me, this one, what I remember it, um, and we'll probably go over it again in a little bit, if I'm being honest. Um, uh, Figueredo's Road, remember that he had the test positive for COVID? So, yeah. you know, look, I've done the Fight Island thing. You'd have a very long flight. You get there, you're stuck in your hotel room for two days before you're even allowed to leave the room. Not the hotel, not the lobby, your room, your little box in there. And so remember that Figueredo flew in late. Benavidez not only does his flight, but he also does his two days in the hotel room. And he's done, I think, even before Figueredo can even get in there can get out of his room before he even arrives so uh -huh. the fact that he went through all that he still has to cut the weight everyone's waiting to see if he'll make the weight this time or if he'll miss again and then he has that performance was just wild um in terms of the submission itself uh it was a great performance leading up to it i always remember it's very clear that joseph you know was going out on his sword but I remembered like the replay, they find the angle in the clip is that Joseph goes to sleep. And then as Figueredo's, you know, moving around, Benavidez is still out. But then he wakes up with like a shriek of terror, Benavidez does. And I was like, dude, you like, you have no idea what just happened to this guy, what's going through his mind. And quite bluntly, Figueredo's the man who did that to him. Mm -hmm. I do remember that submission for that reason. Obviously, his odyssey to become a champion, and then just the violent nature of it. I will give you the credit there for that one. All right. Well, well, well. <laughs> Probably another one that's, you know, not quite what you were looking for, but you have a good one. Do you want to tell us what your submission of the year is? <laughs> so I will... So I picked Vanessa Demopoulos, reverse triangle on Sam Hughes. When I looked at it, I liked AJ McKee's finish at Caldwell. I really did. 
I really was thinking I would give it to one of the girls, uh, Mackenzie Dern or Ariane Lipsky for their knee bars. I thought those were pretty, pretty slick and pretty good. I thought about Habib in the triangle, but I've always said I try to give this one. If you don't have the most violent one ever, you got to have the degree of difficulty. And I, in my honest opinion, I thought Vanessa Demopoulos, the degree of difficulty on this move was just high level. And so when you think about it, she was down in the fight and she pulled it off. Um, this slick submission, if you haven't seen it, it's on Fight Pass, round four, Demopoulos versus Hughes, who just fought Tisha Torres in UFC. Um, yeah, you gotta see it, but I have something special for you, Natalie. Oh. I was able to connect with my friend Vanessa, and we actually spoke about the submission, so rather than me talk to you guys about it, I'm gonna let the woman herself discuss it, so here, from earlier during the holiday is my conversation with Vanessa Demopoulos on that submission of the year. And walk me back through it one last time. You're fighting Sam Hughes. You're probably down three rounds. You need a finish. She takes you down. What's going through your mind? Walk me through everything. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for the awesome compliment. And uh, yeah, I, I, I remember that fight like it was yesterday. Um, I remember sitting in the corner and because of COVID, I wasn't able to have uh, most of my coaches there. And I mean, this is a title fight. You know, we only had a few weeks to get ready for it. And um, all I had was my striking coach in my corner. And I remember him saying, like, use jujitsu. Like, that was his advice to me. <laughs> was use jujitsu. So um, it was a chain of submissions where, you know, if you really know what you're looking for, I had gone from attempting a rolling arm bar, which is how I ended up uh, underneath her on my neck. And then I was starting to go for a leg lock position. But as I was rolling for the leg lock, um, you know, she, she kind of neutralized it and started attempting to punch me. And I was like, oh, okay, well, while she's punching me, I can just randomly throw up this inverted triangle choke that nobody's gonna see coming and uh, completely blindside her. Um, I, I modified it by holding my arms together over my legs, uh, creating a tighter choke. And I just knew to be patient, you know, like I knew, like, don't let go. You do have this choke. Like I knew that she was stuck in there and, um, she kind of shifted a little bit and she actually shifted deeper into the choke. But I mean, it's complicated because it was upside down. So you don't know what direction to go into. And yeah, it was really, really cool. It was really awesome. I mean, look, I, I've said it a lot. I know it didn't make the rounds as much as, you know, some of the other girls with their knee bars and UFC and all that. They got a lot of attention this year. But I did say degree of difficulty, when you remember the fact that it was for the very first strawweight title in LFA, the fact that you were down in the fight and needed that finish to win. I, I said, look, it is a crime that LFA hasn't been posting that more. It was a beautiful submission. I want to ask you some stuff real quick because as great as that submission was, I feel like it really just did so much more to push your popularity, of course, because a few weeks later, you're doing Contender Series. I distinctly remember watching it, and I'm, I'm on Twitter, and I'm seeing all these people discover the little monster for the first time. And they're pulling <laughs> up your pictures, and they're talking about 
like, oh, wait, she's a stripper and this and that. And they're like <laughs> pulling up your pictures. Yo, this is what she looks like when she's dolled up. You go, girl. You, you yes. had to have blown up. And so I want to just ask the aftermath. You get a big win like that. You get the Contender Series exposure. What was that whole experience for you in this year? Man, this year has just been absolute chaos. You know, like one crazy moment after another. Um, I didn't even get to go to sleep that night, you know, and then I get the call for the contender. So it's like I go from being the LFA champion to now being a uh, UFC hopeful, you know. And, um, you know, then I, I go back to fighting for the championship belt. And it's like I never got the chance to really, like, slow down and enjoy being a champion and develop. Um, I've, I've been taking that time recently, but yeah, what a whirlwind. Um, I'm so grateful for all of the new fans and it's been really a really, really cool journey. You know, just knowing that we're right there. Um, you know, knowing that I, I, I did get one of the top fights of the year. Uh, I did get one of the top submissions of the year and I've gotten to really showcase a lot of my skill and really grow, um, you know, in, in, people knowing who I am and being able to move forward, uh, knowing that I have a platform, you know, and, and I can go into the UFC and just have that confidence of I've already been in here before. I know we don't got too much more time, so I just want to leave it with this one. Fans got introduced to the monster. We know that you'd like to stay busy. What can fans look forward to from you in 2021? <laughs> We're already looking to fight um, at the beginning of March. So uh, we're trying to get that locked in and, um, you know, I'm already rocking and rolling. We, we are most definitely looking forward to the UFC coming up. I mean, I'm hoping for that. You know, I'm praying for that. You know, you guys keep putting my name in the hat for me, too, because we're coming. We're coming with a fierce vengeance. So that's what you guys can look forward to. A brand new little monster who's just rocking and rolling and learning new shit every day. Well, Vanessa, once again, congratulations. I've been telling everybody, submission of the year, that inverted triangle was amazing. Congratulations on just having a breakout year with the Contender Series and everything else. Happy holidays and just best wishes for 2021. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so very much for having me. It's always a pleasure, my man. So that is Vanessa Demopoulos breaking down submission of the year. Obviously, you know, talking about a great year for her. Um, Natalie, I, I think the big thing, and you'll hear Vanessa talk about it, is just uh, her year um, after. She goes and does that. She does Contender Series literally three weeks later against her Corey McKenna. Um, she goes on to have another fight for her LFA title. Um, just what were your thoughts on that and just everything else going on? That's a, that's a crazy cool submission because if you watch it, and first of all, awesome supplementation here, uh, having the interview to back up your, uh, your pick, um, and hearing her describe it, it's really cool. She's clearly still like, you know, can, can taste it, uh, the victory there and can take herself, transport herself right back to the moment. What was cool to me watching it, you know, who doesn't know all the things that she knows, obviously, uh, as watching her transitions and stuff, was that all of a sudden it looked like she just popped upward from her like head and shoulders, like her body just like defied gravity and shot upwards, and then she snagged the the, the neck with her legs. So it was it was super cool, and um, it's a really fine pick for submission of the year because yeah, there was a lot of other ones that were unique and and spectacular in their own ways that you probably saw in UFC 
or, or Bellator. But LFA, this young lady, Vanessa Demopoulos, it was super cool. And um, obviously, you know, good things are happening for her. And uh, hopefully she has a, a, an even better 2021. But there's nothing, there's like no better way to make your mark in the MMA world than with a cool submission that's always going to be in, in the part of someone's highlight reels, top 10, top 20, like, you know, this is this is really awesome. It was it was very cool. I hadn't seen anything like that. Yeah, and so yeah, I want to thank Vanessa one more time for making the time to come on. She's always been fantastic, and I just can't wait to see what's next for her, twenty twenty one. I think that uh, you know she's coming back with a vengeance. I could tell you this that that girl loves training. Like no, <laughs> like you know, like oh yeah, well I feel good. At-. No, that girl loves training. So. You can be assured she is coming back to really do some work in the new year. So definitely look out for her. Once again, thank you, Vanessa, for coming on the show. And I'll Look, yes, Figueredo was fantastic. You're my submission of the year. I've been saying that since you did it. So props <laughs> to you, bud. Um, Natalie, let's move on to one. I think we're going to have a... I couldn't get him for the show, but still a very nice one. I'll just, uh, spoiler alert, we agreed. Joaquin Buckley with the switch spinning back kick knockout of Impa Kasanganai. I mean, what can we really say about it that we haven't already? So I'm going to just go ahead and let you take it however way you want it. Yeah, it's just badass. Like, come on. That's, that's <laughs> one of those, you know, like the Anthony Pettis Showtime kick that for the rest of his life, when he, you know, whether he's still fighting or when he's, you know, 70 and retired, that's going to be the, the knockout they show, right? The, the Showtime walk the fence kick. That's like his signature moment in MMA. And this knockout of the year for Joaquin Buckley is going to be his signature moment in MMA. Because incredible. That's some bandam, excuse my language, but that's some bandam shit, right? That's crazy. <laughs> it's not the kind of thing you, you ever see in MMA. You rarely see it, I should say, but you hope that you're going to see it. It's like, it makes me think of like, you know, I grew up watching rocky movies and that's how i thought boxing should look and when i actually watched a real boxing fight i was like this this is not as exciting then i you know obviously i've become educated and so i see it differently but with mma you know some people might come into mma thinking it should look like a van damme movie or you know jackie chan or you know any of these like really awesome choreographed fight movies and you get in there and it's completely different but every once in a while you get one of those moments where something spectacular, something high-flying, something crazy happens. And the, the moment has to, you know, the stars have to align for a move like that to pay off, not only to be executed, but to then to pay off in a, in a, in a knockout. Um, and that happened for Joaquin Buckley. So, yeah, uh, undoubtedly, undubitably, knockout of the year. And it's going to be for sure one of the knockouts, uh, best knockouts in UFC history. UFC is going to be around still for a much longer time, but there's no way this isn't part of that story. Yeah, you know, if you watch, if you've ever attended a UFC event live, it's cool that they, it's a cool thing they do. They have this little montage to, um, man, I'm forgetting it. It's, a, and I know it's not the name of it. Uh, pretty much that one old song, Teenage Wasteland. Um, oh, yeah, yes. yeah, The Hoop. Yes, huh? by The Hoop. Um, they do a montage and they literally have so much stuff from like the Pettis Showtime Kick Knockout to 
uh, you know, they play a little bit of Forrest Griffin, Stephen Bonner, and they have all these classic hits, and they update it every so often, right? So over the years, now Rhonda's part of it, Anderson, John mm-hmm. Jones, Conor McGregor, all of them are in it. And here's the thing is they play it before the event starts, before the prelims start, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I believe sometimes it's played by, before the main card. If you're there in the arena, they never play it on the broadcast, ESPN or pay-per-view. They never do it. But it pumps you up because you auto- automatically remember all of the classic stuff that's happened in UFC, all the cool stuff that happens. And you are reminded... Any of that could go off tonight. And I'll just say it. That knockout was exactly the thing you hope to see when you tune in to watch MMA or the UFC. Plain and simple. That's exactly the stuff you hope to see. I've said it a million times. The degree of difficulty on that move. I said that if Adesanya... I think because it happened close to the time. Had Adesanya done that to Paulo Costa... We'd be saying it's the best combat sports knockout ever. It was that good. It was that cool. I loved it. So, I mean, I can't add anything that you haven't. Joaquin Buckley, just uh, the pop culture MMA moment of 2020 for that one. Just uh, the style points. All of it. Yeah. He takes it in and change. So, yeah, I, I just love it. I think it's that good. It's going to be, hey, when fans get back, it's going to be on the you know, the montage in the first event that they play in the arena. You know what I mean? I hear you, man. I hear you. Yeah. Good. Freaking, freaking awesome knockout. Just beautiful. Yep. Um, I'm not gonna, there were a couple other ones. The Sean O'Malley one was nice. I know that you really like Cody versus Asuncel. Dude, that one's just too, too, so too violent. Slick. Too yes. slick. Yeah. And violent. He's just like up against the cage. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then, Fakes them out and then just sends them to the moon. That was that was cool too, man. That that was a great one. That's good stuff. There's some good finishes there. Um, breakthrough fighter of the year. So I want to point out the way I have always seen this defined, and so I stick by that rule, is that breakthrough means you had your debut in a major promotion in the last 12 months. So I'm going to be honest, I was very tempted, I've seen many people give this award to Kevin Holland, and I want to acknowledge the fact that had he made his UFC debut this year, I would have given it to him, I would have called him up personally to tell him you need to accept (laughs) this, but he made his debut off Contender Series in 2018. Can't do it. Sorry guys, (laughs) 5-0, 7 months, I can't do it. So the award has to go to Hamzat Chemaev. No one knew what how to say his name. No one knew who the heck this guy was in June. And then come July, he is the breakout star of Fight Island. He is potentially one fight away from challenging for the UFC Welterweight Championship. Um, I think that says just about everything you need to know about how he got built up and pushed and performed in 2020. Yeah, man, it's crazy because, of course, yeah, Kevin Holland fought five times. Hamzat, I think it was three, right? Yep. No, they were, there was like the, the June, July, or it was like two or three weeks apart. The the, the one Nine that. Nine days. You know, not, oh, then I'm completely wrong. Yeah. So they even there, even, even crazier. And like, that was just enough. Like they, they, they pumped up the story enough to just really ele- elevate this guy's star. 
And then, yeah, all of a sudden it's like, well, let's see if he can fight for the <laughs> fight one of the big guys, you know, at the top. So it's crazy how, how quickly his star was catapulted. Dana White loved him, and of course that's why. And then at one point, I can't remember which fight it was, he was like sitting next to Dana cage side watching, watching other fights. Um, so, you know, he's, <laughs> he's clearly uh, well regarded at the UFC. Um, yeah, sorry, my phone fell. Um, impossible not to uh, not to pick him for for breakthrough fight of the year for sure. Even though Kevin Holland fought five times this year. <laughs> yeah, like I said, uh, I'm sorry. It's just you know you gotta make your <laughs> debut. But uh, yeah. look, I think the thing about Hamzad, uh, just to s- talk about his numbers, I think that um, all three fights he's taken like three punches. So three different yeah. opponents combined have only landed three punches on him. I think they said he took zero punches in the second fight. The fact that the nine-day swing, he fought the first fight at middleweight, cut down to 170 pounds days later, had an even more impressive performance. Then, let's talk about the knockout over Gerald Mearshart. He landed his first punch for a 17-second knockout. Three opponents, he still hasn't fought one complete round overall in the UFC. And yeah, the UFC loves him. Dana White loves him, like you said. I mean, what else can I say? That's about as good as you could script it without winning the title, too, if you ask me. Yeah, man, those stats you just rolled out, that, that that's pretty crazy. Like, he hasn't even fought a full round yet. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Not even, hardly been touched. That's, you know, yeah. No doubt. Breakthrough fight of the year. Oh, my God. It was a wild one, for sure. Um, I'm, I'll say this. We talked about it a little bit. I hope that he's all right to see that rebooking soon just because the welterweight division is so freaking it is officially just a bottleneck right now you have a log jam at the top you have uh gilbert burns still needs to get in there with kamaru usman then excuse me hiccups you got jorge and colby i'm hearing ultimate fighter may not even film till the summer so it's like dude you're not really you know, if they are the coaches, you're telling me you're going to wait a year to see them fight? Oh, my gosh. Um, all this stuff, put it together, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, man, I just want to see everybody fight. Um, so I am hoping that we get uh, Leon and Hamzat very soon because I just feel like you need to get a resolution. Not a New Year's resolution, just a situational one i'm not asking you to commit i'm just asking for this to happen you know what i mean yeah i hear you (laughs) moving on we have the news story of the year let's just admit it we agreed on this one again we've kind of talked about it all year so i don't want to make it a long segment but it was kind of the story that was everywhere uh covid affecting sports covid affecting mma um the quickest way I could say it, Natalie, is if you asked me in March that UFC is only going to do events in the Apex, that they're not going to go around the world like they do every week. Remember, every week they're in a new city. Every week. And that's just going to stop. And then you're going to have a thing called the bubble. And then you're going to have a thing called Fight Island. And you're going to go to Abu Dhabi with this secluded area that I'm going to go to. I'll say it there myself. 
And then, you know, just all the stuff. You have COVID being a reason guys pulled out more than anything ever. More than hurt knees, hurt hands, hurt foots. All of that. It seemed like every... So often, why did some... Why did the fight get canceled? COVID. You wouldn't have believed it. And it's been this way for so... Not just sports, but people and business and life. And, you know, I'm going to keep it on sports because we could talk about it all day. But just the overwhelming impact it had on the sports world and our lives. I was like, dude, there's... There's nothing else we could talk about. Joaquin Buckley could have knocked someone else out the same night. It still wouldn't be news story of the year over this. Um, (laughs) That's how big it was. And I really can't add much more to it. Yeah, uh, of course not. It defined 2020. Like that's all you're going to think of when you look back on your life and someone says, oh, what happened in, you know, 2000? Well, Y2K or whatever. Uh, What happened in 2020? COVID. Like, that's just it. It defined that year. It's going to, you know, define a little more of this year, but hopefully not not the whole year. And what impressed me the most about COVID affecting sports is how sports responded to COVID in 2020. Specifically, first and foremost, the UFC, right? And, you know, they're tooting their own horn a little bit too much, but it's it's kind of fair, man. They were, they were the first ones to come back, but probably because... Why was it so easy for them to come back? Or not easy, but why was it feasible for them to come back first? Well, they don't have any unions to to negotiate with. And it's basically like, you know, unilateral uh, autonomous, uh, uh, you know, uh, management over there, right? One person calls all the shots. So, uh, but, but nonetheless, they were the first to come back. And then you saw all these, all these other mega monster leagues, NBA, NHL, MLB, like they all did what they could, were creative, you know, NBA made the bubble, everybody, you know, regrouped and made sure that all the folks who were stuck at home couldn't leave, couldn't work, at least had sports to watch, at least had something to cheer for. And I think you, you got to believe it helped the morale of our country, of, of the world, the sports watching world, to have all these professional leagues come back and at least give us something to look forward to. Um, so, you know, the story was COVID in 2020, but but also, you know, the like resounding, like no quit attitude of humans in general. It's in our nature to keep going. And, and we did, we emphasized, we adapted, we overcame. So, you know, we got through it and we're still getting through it. I'm going to add one more. And I wasn't planning on it, but as you speak, you know, you reminded me. I read one, um, it was like a very old interview by Stan Lee. And obviously before, you know, he created a comic book empire, you know, it wasn't a big deal, especially when he got started. And he said to the point that for a long time, he was embarrassed to say he worked in it because it was such a dismissed profession to be in his business. And um, as it went on, he said, well, I learned to be very proud of it and I learned to, you know, really embrace it. And he said, because one of the things I found out is that entertainment is such an important part of people's lives. Like life is hard. And so entertainment is what gets people through life, because if you just are in the grind every time, you will not, you know, 
you will lose it, right? I think we all know this. We all have outlets of different types and levels. So he said, after that, I was always proud to say because entertainment and giving people an outlet is such an important part of people's lives. And so when people talk about, well, why do we have sports? Why do we need sports? And blah, 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 blah. Um, one, you know, fighters and athletes are all uh, employees too. You don't work. You don't get paid. Um, and, you know, just like everybody else, there's, you know, we cannot just be on leave forever. Something gives eventually in most of the businesses, which is why things have been so hard. But on another, you know, further note is that, look, you know, it gives people something to do, something to think about, right? And so I was very proud, like you said, also of the MMA world, of the sports world in general, just the way we came together and the way they put it together. It was quite fantastic in my opinion, so I agree with you, but I felt like I wanted to say that is that, you know what, this is an important part of people's lives. You can't understate that having something besides the news to think about really helped, for sure. Indeed, indeed. Um, I really want to hear this, the female <laughs> fighter of the year, Ugh. and it was teed up for you again which by the way i was shocked you didn't get anything for valentina for christmas <laughs> and yet here we are again she's a front runner and natalie zamudio picks someone over someone else over her beloved big sister yes i did first of all i didn't get her a present for christmas because what do you give the woman who has everything she has everything. She needs nothing from me. I would only like detract from her surplus of, you know, um, skills and talents and, and possessions. So I left her be. I let I let her be. Uh, yeah, so we're coming around to Female Fighter of the Year, and I, I could have picked Valentina Shevchenko, but you know, she fought twice this year, right? Yeah, she fought twice. And her, her win over Caitlin Chukagian was... Um, impressive it was dominating right that crucifix at the end that's how she finished her i think um no doubt man she's still my favorite fighter forever and ever but i guess you know to her detriment she's just so good and it's expected for her to be so good that it just she just didn't pop out jump out to me as female fighter of the year when i'm thinking of 2020 that's not the first female fighter that i think of and so my pick controversial probably again as a lot of my picks have been for this recap is uh, Angela Hill now I know she's two and two but she fought four times this year she was super game ready to go whenever the UFC needed her went to Abu Dhabi on short notice I think she won against Claudia uh, Claudia Gadella which is one of the two losses on her record for this year I think she won that fight I think most people think she won that fight so I'm going to go ahead and say she's you know um three and one for 2020 but um, but look, man, her star has has grown. Think about her coming off Contender Series, and if you heard her interview on Joe Rogan, she she straight out admits like she basically had zero MMA experience. She's been doing Muay Thai, and she had enough flash to make you know the judges at at uh, sorry at Tough um, think that you know hey we we can we can do something with Angela Hill on the show. So they put her on, but she really was a, was a novice still. And had a lot of learning and growing to do. If you follow her Instagram, you see she's working hard all the time. Looks impressive. Great physique. She's a fun personality. Um, and, and this year, I thought, really, just 
elevated her her name in the UFC in a big way. She had that fight against Michelle Watterson, which was a headliner, big deal for her. She didn't win. And for me, that specific fight, um, I, I think more about Michelle Watterson because it was such a great performance for her, a return to form. But nonetheless, I think Angela Hill has grown a lot. Now, how do you define female fighter of the year? Probably not the way I'm defining it. However, I stand by my choice. I think that she, like, you know, like some of the male fighters who stepped up in 2020 and fought whenever they were called to fight, I think she did the same thing, and I, I think she should be given props for that. So that's my pick, and I'm sticking to it. You are playing fast and loose with the rules. I'm so fast I try. And loose with the rules. Yeah. <laughs> maybe 2021, maybe I'll be more by the book. No, book. it's I fine. I just want to make sure I address, you know, that I understand the way you're defining things. Um, I'll give that to you. You know, to me, the Claudia fight was close. In the moment, I, I really did think Angela had probably pulled that one off. The fight with Michelle Watterson, you know, that's on the short list coming up in a minute for fight of the year. You know, I know it's not getting the love, but those girls brought it and it was back and forth, right? Mm -hmm. um, my thing with Angela, I respect that a lot that Angela has built. I think that she's really taken a lot of things in stride and she's kind of, she's getting on the analyst desk now a bit. She's obviously at her career resurgence. Um, a lot of people aren't talking about this, but had she not um, been pulled from her fight a couple weeks ago, she would have tied Kevin Holland for five fights in 2020. Now, yeah. they wouldn't have all been wins, but, no. you know, still. Uh, so it, she just built it up very well, and I do respect her game. Um, I will say those losses, I just can't give it to you, Angela. I just can't. I did, it looked good. You were active. You were at the desk. They sent you to Fight Island just to talk about the fights. I love it. It's awesome. But I couldn't do. I can't do it, Natalie. I can't do it because I'm loyal. I'm loyal <laughs> you on play the, by the show. Rules. I like it. I like no, it. I'm loyal to the one that. You know what? You might have to call me Gabriel Shevchenko. I'm the <laughs> only one who's been thinking about her on the MMA Daily. Because my female fighter of the year, I had to go with Valentina. I had to say, uh, the bullet hit the target. Um, this one, I'll be honest, I was very tempted to go with Chris Cyborg because out of all the female champions, the, the big ones, she was the only one who fought twice along with Valentina. Yeah. You can make the argument Chris fought better competition in taking out Julia Budd, who'd been on such a fantastic win streak. Um, and then she beat uh, Arlene Blanco, who's obviously, you know, the second best girl in Bellator for a long time. But for me, similar to how Masvidal had his, you know, he went from being Jorge to being Street Jesus. Uh, Valentina, she went from just the killer at 125 so now she's just, every time she fights, oh, well, of course, because she's a spy. Anytime she posts a picture anywhere, Valentina's on a mission. She's now got her own, like, persona kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that was a big part of it. I think it's the fact that had she not gotten hurt, you know she would have fought more. Which, you know, respectfully, I get it. A lot of people would have too. But um, still. 
and then there's the fact that she fought Kaylin Chukagian, who is a longtime top contender, just throttle Caitlyn. Then there's the Jennifer Maya, which admittedly, okay, was it the best looking fight when you know what Valentina can do? No, but still shut her out four rounds to one. The one round she lost, she was really neutralized as opposed to beaten down. So you know what, for me, it's been so tough because they're neck and neck, her and Amanda Nunes, and Amanda just every year, she's just whooping competition. And so it's tough because, you know, Amanda has the chain, you know, the she has the tiebreaker. She beat her in the fights. But this year, it was Valentina's year, finally. And so just with the style points of becoming everyone's favorite spy, um, I had to give it to Valentina. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, of course, she's my number one. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Your time to give her her moment in the spotlight and you betrayed her. I am shocked. Honestly, it, she, I didn't even think about her. I really didn't because the Trikagian fight was, was just far, far away in my memory. And um, that doesn't the, make the, it the, any the, less special, the, Natalie. The, the Jennifer Maya fight, like, you know, it's like, okay, it's what you, what you expect Valentina Shevchenko to do. Okay, Angela Hill is two and two. Why would anyone pick a two and two fighter to be fighter of the year? Okay, I get it. It's it's you know it's wonky. I was going more for you know the full the full package, everything, the growth of her of her brand, I guess. But you make great points too about Valentina Shevchenko's brand. You know she's posting so much on Instagram, all the the shooting range stuff. She has her own like she changed her logo. She has that clothing like rash guard sponsorship now. Um, or her own line, I should say, and the spy thing. I don't know how I could forget about the spy thing. Now she's probably listening to this, and she's going to show up at my door right now and say, why didn't you pick me for Female Fighter of the Year? Um, and but she's going to bring because... her sister, too, and they're going to oh both. God. And Paul, uh, what's his name, Fedotov, uh, Pavel. I hope and, you have um, health insurance. I hope you have life insurance. I have. She's, I'm just going to say, here, she's probably bring, she's baby. Pro- she's probably bringing her guns, too. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Oh, that's it, man. I mean, look, she. When I was looking at just the records, I was like, she just fought twice. That's it. I can't give it to her. She only fought twice. <laughs> she only fought twice. That that's kind of where it came down for me. Even though the record for Angela Hill is not, um, you know, she has as many wins as Valentina has. She fought four times. She's grown a lot now. She still has a lot more to grow. She's not like if you put her in the cage with Valentina right now, she wouldn't stand a chance. No offense, but most people wouldn't. Um, I just felt overall the the complete picture of 2020 she grew a lot more than Valentina Shevchenko did and uh that's why I picked her man. I think next year I will go more by the book. But this year it's 2020. Everything's fine. all year my sister Valentina. How cool <laughs> is Valentina? Valentina's going to win cuz she's Valentina. And she won one... two times and expected was expected to win two times. She I mean, won two title fights. Yeah, but everyone knew she was going to win those fights. And? <laughs> yeah. So she doesn't get any points for doing what we thought she was going to do. <laughs> My gosh. Yep. That's just cruel. Sure when is. The pandemic has brought out the worst in you. <laughs> I, I was shocked. I was like, oh, this is going to be a shoe in 
move along and then I see it and I'm like you're like what is she thinking really uh, congratulations Angela Hill you had a lot of fights you really did you, yeah. congratulations on four, fighting a lot four, four fights real good <clears throat> Valentina you got this one anyway a uh, male fighter of the year. Um, I'm going to go with the easy one because I think uh, Natalie got a little fast. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I like that you gave him the love. But um, uh, I went with the front runner, Davison Figueredo. Um, similar to the submission of the year stuff I said, his trip to Fight Island. Because when you look at it, he needed that redemption that vindication after missing the weight and not winning the belt against Benavidez. Everything that happened, you know, he is still in quarantine. Benavidez is already out and about and moving and working out with more freedom. Um, the fact that he outdid his performance against Benavidez, the way he finished him, then the way he went through Alex Perez in November... Three weeks later, fight of the year against Brandon Moreno. Um, if it wasn't for the low blow and the controversial fifth round scoring, that's a win for Figueredo any way you cut it. Um, I said, I know you weren't here, but I said the only two ways I see that fight is a Figueredo win or a unanimous draw. And that's exactly what the scorecards read. Even if you gave Moreno the close rounds, it never adds up to a Moreno victory. And so I think that says everything you need to know about the way that fight went at the end. That was still a Figueredo fight. It just was unfortunate that he had a couple of those. Uh, look, he had those fouls. He hit him low. He got him in the eye. It, and it's just, it sucks because that was such a good fight. But um, that was still just a great fight for both men. And when you compound it with the year Figueredo had, it's just, um, I gave him the top spot. Yeah, I was I was tempted to pick him too, and then um, I was talking about it with my husband, and he was like, "Wait a minute, didn't he miss weight for that Benavides fight?" And I said, "Yeah, he missed weight the first time." I, he said, "You can't be fighter of the year if you miss weight. You just can't." <laughs> so even though for female fighter of the year I picked someone who had two losses, I did not pick Davidson Figueroa for male fighter of the year, and not because he missed weight, um, even though my husband that's his reason for not picking him. Um, one time because he missed weight one time. Um, you know, this one I'll say, I'll just be honest and say it was kind of like, well, everyone's going to pick Figueredo. So let me see what I can, what I can do with, with the other guys that fought this year. So I, I'm making a case for Jan Blachowicz because, because he, he defeated Dominic Reyes to win the light heavyweight championship. And and it's because of the way he defeated him. And I'm going to go back in time a little bit to when Dominic Reyes fought John Jones. I still think and will forever think that Dominic Reyes beat John Jones. And so because of that, MMA math, I, I feel that Jan Blachowicz, the way he beat Dominic Reyes, just, just pieced him up, finished him. I think in, by round two, it was over. Yep. Uh, because of that, because you beat the man in such a fashion who beat John Jones and took him to five rounds. Uh, because of that, I'm giving him fighter of the year. Now, does it mean he beat John Jones? No, but, but in some, in some walkie MMA math, that's, that's the, uh, that's the conclusion that I'm drawing. He beat the man who beat the man. He beat the man who beat the man. 
and uh, not on paper, but in my mind and a lot of people's minds. But it was an impressive performance. It, it really was an impressive win over Dominic Reyes. And he's so different. He's such a different fighter. He's such a different champion. Uh, different. He's going to be a different champion, you know, assuming he holds on to the belt for a while. Um, we'll see with Israel Adesanya. But um, I just I just like the story that, you know, he had a big loss, I think, was it last year or the year before, that kind of seemed to derail his momentum. But he came right back. And and look, man, look, I, I don't have a strong case for it, but I stand by it. I, the, the way he beat Dominic Reyes was so impressive to me that I'm, I'm giving it to him. Now, Davis and Figueredo, he fought, did he fight four times this year? Yes. Three times? Yeah. I mean, look, yeah. I mean, it's there. It's, it's pretty clear, right? Did most people uh, in the MMA world pick Davis and Figueredo? Probably. So you Makes gave, sense. So you gave Angela Hill the award for fighting more fights, but. <laughs> it's so okay. Have I lost all credibility? Yes, I think so. Uh, okay, Natalie, I, I I see I see what you I see what you're doing. Okay, I'm destroying. <laughs> I was like, what rules are you playing by? I'm destroying everything. It's that, like that, it's like you're playing. You know what rules I'm playing by? I'm playing by 2020 rules. That's what I'm doing. It's like you're playing Monopoly, but it's like you're not doing what they say on the card. I'm playing Monopoly with with real money. Okay. <laughs> no, man, 2020 rules. Anything goes, and that's what I'm doing. Next year, I'll go back to being, you know, straight uh, and narrow. <laughs> I, I love Jan Blahovich's story. Um, great, great champion in KSW, comes to UFC, falls on some tough times. You know, he, it's just, you know, he's just not putting it together like he did when he was, uh, you know, outside the promotion. It's not looking good. He's looking like more of a journeyman guy. He's looking like a guy who it's maybe not going to happen for him. You know, you talk about possibly even his job in jeopardy. Turns it around, goes on a nice win streak, has the setback against Tiago Santos, and then he's just put together this amazing run. I love his resurgence. I love his attitude and his personality. Um, he just seems like a wholesome guy quiet guy he loves to fight mma and hang with his family and that's kind of it and that's all good so do i <laughs> so um <laughs> it doesn't make you male fighter of the year right? yeah it's like i love <laughs> mma and i hang out at home it's all good <laughs> <laughs> same thing you know I, I you know he's that's my dude um i think uh i heard john anik describe it criminally underappreciated and I think that that is a great way to describe him his performance over Reyes and Corey Anderson great um he is up there I think that really it's just uh the activity Figueredo just had more fights for me and um I think if Jan were to beat Adesanya and then most likely Glover next in 2021 it's gonna be hard to top him for fighter of the year, uh, unless that John Jones, um, John Jones has to fight consistently against like Stipe or, you know, he's, they got to get two appearances out of whoever fights with those, that triumvirate, the Stipe, Jones, and Ganu, yeah. that, that trio is going to have to compete twice because if, uh, Blahovich wins against Adesanya, that's going to be a big, that's going to be a tough one to top when you consider the way all the odds are looking into the next year. So 
I think that that's going to be it for him. He's kind of uh, poised himself to have a big year. It's now on him to capitalize. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> if Israel Adesanya has anything to say about it. We, we, have, we have reached it. The one, the impossible of impossible categories. Fight of the year. Every month seemed to have one. The Paul Felder, Dan Hooker. Uh, obviously, Whaley, Joanna. Then we had Poirier, Hooker. Then we had Angela Hill, Michelle Watterson. Um, Jack Hermanson, Marvin Vittori. Figueredo Moreno. Just, oh my gosh, there were so... And I know I'm missing one. This is me trying to do it off the top of my head. There yeah. were so many good ones. Um, so, look, let's be honest. There was just a lot of good television a lot of five-rounders went the distance back and forth, so you know you got your money's worth out of it kind of deal. I mean, a lot of them were on free TV, thankfully, but you know what I mean. It was just a lot of fun. Um, Natalie, I think you know who we picked. Go ahead and tell me who it is. Yeah, Weili Zhang, Joanna Yanjacek. It was... It was um... What, what now? I'm gonna butcher this. What month did it come out in? Because there were still March. fans in the in the crowd. March, last March. one with fans. Last, last one, one with fans. fans. Yeah. God, good lucky, lucky for them. They got to see that in person. Um, I mean, it was just a a back and forth war, five rounds for the, uh, for the for the um, now I can't speak. Strawweight title. The strawweight championship. Yeah. Um. You knew that you were going to get a scrap going into it because you're familiar with both fighters. Jan Jacek has been in lots of five-round wars, uh, you know, most notably with Valentina Shevchenko. But this one was just two fighters who were neither of whom was going to back down, and they were didn't really have enough power to knock the other out. Um, you can say Weili Zhang is is definitely the harder puncher. But Joanna Janjacek is just so darn tough that she wasn't going to be knocked out. And Joanna Janjacek is more of a volume striker. So you kind of knew they were just going to be standing there going back and forth for as long as the fight was scheduled to go. And they sure did. Uh, you know, it was an exciting, thrilling fight. High skill level. Stayed mostly on the... Actually, entirely on the feet. There was some... some um, Brief. Some fighting yeah. against the cage. but But that's about it. Um, my, I'm going to end my, my, uh, my coverage here with a little bit of a silly question, but <laughs> because I rewatched it. And so it reminded me at what point do you think Wei Li Zhang was looking at Ioana and Jacek's forehead and was just like, Oh my God, what's going to happen if I punch that one more time? Is it going to pop? Is it going to explode? Is there going to be like blood everywhere? Because if you recall, Ioana Janjacek's face at the end, she was completely unrecognizable as the person we know her to be. She has yeah. a tendency to get those hematomas on her forehead. That's just how her body reacts to punches. But oh boy, did she did she change by the end of that fight? It all went away, of course. But uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking, if I'm Weili Zhang and I'm staring at you and I see your face just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, it's got to be a little distracting, don't you think? I remember when it came out, they were really promoting that Brad Pitt animated movie, Megamind, with the guy who's blue <laughs> with the giant blue yeah, head. I uh -huh. I, and I remember, like, even for a kid's movie, I was like, like, I'm not even watching Disney Channel. I feel like that commercial is popping up a lot. 
So I rem- that it reminded me of that. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, Whaley, I I think that they went to the zone. I think that they went into that. You know what? I'm a lion. You're a lion, and only one of them is leaving the cave alive. Mm-hmm. And so I think they went there. I think they went to the dark place, you know, and, you know, the blood, the swelling, the bruising, it was just, nah, we, we're here to do this, so let's do it. So I, I don't think that Whaley ever had that. I think she thought, you know what, my eyes are getting puffy and I'm bloody too, so let's go. Um, the, the story of this one for me really stole it, even more than the Figueredo Moreno, which is a beautiful fight in and of itself when you look at it big picture. Um, for me, it was about the fact that you knew what you had going into this. You had the new superstar. Remember, she does like ridiculous, Whaley does ridiculous numbers when she's on TV in China. Mm-hmm. Remember, China has like the most people in the world. So you, you literally have someone who's a star in a country. We just don't, we don't see it because their internet and those social media and stuff works so differently from ours, right? Mm-hmm. So you have that. And then you have Joanna, the former queen. Remember that she, yeah, she'd had the losses, but they were back-to-back Rose Namajunas. The rematch was so competitive. She moved up to fight Valentina. But everyone knew, look, outside of Rose, Joanna's very likely the best fighter at strawweight who's beaten everybody. Um, and so you had the former queen kind of in her return to form. The Joanna who fought Wei Li beats a lot of it, pretty much beats every girl, I think, out there. Um, if not Rose, then most of the other fighters, I'll say that right now. She was just absolutely dialed in. And so the fact that they turned in that kind of fight, um, I think it was the uh, reputation. It, that was the fight. That That was her signature moment for Wei Li like if she keeps winning it's like dude you know she is that girl I think that when you add all those storylines together it's just fantastic so I I I love it for that story it was just you knew you had the two best girls of the moment and they both brought it they both lived up to the level we expected so yeah it it even made up for the fact that Yol Romero's remote control stopped working and he stood still in front of Adesanya ten minutes later. Oh my gosh, yeah, they don't remind me jeez <laughs> when you ask for a fight, you gotta fight, but well whatever. <laughs> I still remember he's just sitting there uh, that tweet got a bunch of likes for me too. I was like, <laughs> it's okay when you start moving again, it's okay, guys. They put uh, the batteries back in Yoel's remote. <laughs> Dude, it was like watching the video game and the guy just leaves for a second and forgets to pause it and is the character yeah. just there. And you're in practice mode in that room by yourself and you're just... Yes, dude. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I love it. Look, uh, that there were a lot of great fights. A lot of guys brought it and girls and they just put a beating on each other. But I love the skill level. You knew you had the consensus best girls in this fight, which I don't know if you necessarily felt that way about all of the other fights. So that, to me, really gave it to this one. It delivered in a way that I think even surprised people, which made it even better. Yeah, yeah. Natalie, that is it. We made it. Everybody got a piece of the pie. (laughs) Um, Even Angela Hill. Yes, 2020. 
in review, um, you know what? I think that when I look at a big picture, I think that we are very lucky as fans that as many fights still came together as they did. Remember, we still got all the fights we thought we were going to see. Izzy Paolo and uh, Jorge Camaro Usman and uh, all these other stuff. Um, Stipe DC. I will be honest. If there's one thing that shocked me is that we truly didn't get another fight for John Jones. I really thought when he fought Dominic Reyes, he's got to fight somebody. So he's going to be back in there sometime this year. But the fact that for all the changes, we still got as many of the matchups as we wanted, I think that that's a great year, personally. When you talk about COVID and everything, it's tough because I think by now we've all seen some people get sniffles, other people, it hits them hard. And it affects them for a long time afterward. And that is very frightening and concerning. Um, You know, but I think a lot of people like, hey, you know, is it stressful? And does it make you nervous to go back to work? Yeah. And I can relate to that for sure. I I understand it. And if you're in that boat, you know, you are not alone. But um, the fact that people are like, look, you know, like life's got to, you know, we got to find a way, you know, we can't just wait forever. Um, and they came out there and they, we did the best we can. Uh, I think that, uh, under the circumstances, I think that's just a great year. And, you know, thankfully everyone seems to have recovered and done well who did have it. So I think that my thoughts on 2020 is not just, we made it, but we made the best of it. And I think that that's the best we could do any year. Yeah, certainly we made the best of it. 2020 is, is one of those years where, Geez, we didn't see this coming. We really didn't. And um, we we did our best. Everybody, you know, staying in their own little, you know, with sheltering in place or having to go out and work. Whatever your situation was during this year, you know, we just did the best we could do. And that's all you can ask. The year is over. And that doesn't mean... The troubles are over, but um, I'm hopeful. And like I said at the start, there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I mean, look, man, before we know it, this is just going to seem like a long time ago. Hey, remember that 2020 with the thing, the COVID? You know, hopefully that's how we can look back at this at some point. But, you know, let's just, you know, it's it's not, how do I say this? Uh, you can't ignore the fact that you and I and uh, a lot of people are really lucky and a lot of people were not lucky at all. We're really unlucky and had a terribly hard time. So um, it's just mostly I'm just happy that we all pushed through as best we could. And that's it. That's it. It's all you can ask for. No, I completely agree. And if you've had a hard time, just know that my thoughts are with you. You know, like, I think a lot of us have been there at some point or another, and I get it. So, just uh, know my positive vibes are still always with you guys. And, uh, yeah, as uh, we close the door on this um, just wild, unbelievable year, unbelievable couple of months, uh, just uh, 
We're going to keep rolling the best we can. We will be back next week. There's still no fights, so we're going to do a very, you know, comprehensive breakdown. We're going to look at the biggest storylines going forward into 2021. What's going on with the champions, the biggest fights, the biggest storylines in some of the promotions around the world. And just really, you know, get ready to see what, you know, what we're going to go through in the next 12 months in the MMA world. Until then, these have been the MMA Daily 2020 MMA Awards. Thank you if you've hung on for the ride. Remember, we'll be back next week. Take care.